one. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in for checking TV. Um, another episode here. This is a late night episode for you guys. If you want to watch Dark Outside, as always, TK, Doug, Scotty. We got Rob joining us today. Rob, how's it going? Great, guys. I'm glad to be on the show. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Well, we just, um, if you're watching hockey tonight, we just finished the Penguins and Islanders game. Went to double overtime. Unfortunately, the Penguins did lose that game with a great goal there from Josh Bailey. Um, so since we just watched that game, let's start with that one. Um, and go up for discussion, everything we want to talk about. So let's get started. This game was bullshit. That's all I'm going to say. Bullshit bullshit overtime goal. It's typically how it goes, uh, especially in double overtime. Guys are exhausted. So, I mean, there's a lot that you can say about this game. You know, everyone's going to point the finger at uh, Tristan Jari. That was a horrible giveaway to, to end it there. I don't know why he – continues to think he's Marty Brodeur every time he touches the puck with his stick. I mean, the Penguins put almost 50 shots on that and only mustered up two goals. Either Ilya Sorokin is just an absolute piece or the Penguins are flat out missing their opportunity. I don't know. I really can't tell you which one is which. I, I really don't. They're, they're missing. They're flat out missing. They outshot the Islanders by 20 Quote me on that, but I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And we're only scoring two goals. You're not going to win games like that. It's just not going to happen. Eventually, something's got to give. And uh, didn't happen. Happen enough. have to face elimination on Long Island on Wednesday. So, shots. Shots. Uh, official shots were 50 to 28 in favor of the Pens. So I feel your pain there, man. Uh, Sorokin played fucking out of his mind uh the penguins for game six now they they need they need to figure him out uh my big note on here is the penguins are due for a big fucking game like a like a five goaler i mean the one thing that i that i'm noticing right now is uh, just the guys the guys they need to step up are not stepping up I don't know what the deal is with uh, with Jay Gensel. I mean, the only, the only place you can find him right now is on a note card. I mean, that guy has been non-existent in this series. Same goes for Jared McCann. I mean, those guys have not st- have not been the uh, not given the offensive output that they need them to. And I don't know what the deal is, but they need to come up big here in Game Six because those are the guys that you depend that the Penguins are going to need to depend on if they even want a chance to have a deep run at it. Now, now they're facing elimination heading on to Long Island. This is definitely not uh, not the situation the Penguins wanted to be in or expected to be in, probably. I mean, we can talk all we want about the guys that aren't scoring and all that, but, like, I know hockey's a team sport, but, like, literally the only reason they're down in this series is because Tristan Jari has been so painfully average and has allowed the Islanders to have an opportunity to um, – you know, stick around in this series. Um, You know, it's just, it's very frustrating to see that we're going to like, once again, reminds me of the uh, years in the early 2010s with flurry where, you know, we're going to have such a great team and a great group be just completely bent over by their own fucking goalie. You know, like, it's just the same shit. Like, we can argue right now that 
Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin should have at least one extra Stanley Cup ring, but they do not because of how painfully average Mark Andre Fleury was from 2010 to 2015. You know, I mean, I just, I just don't understand it. I don't understand. Like, and my thing is, is like, I just don't understand how you can flub the puck up into the middle of the ice. Like, try and get it to one of your defensemen, get the puck up the ice. Like, I just don't understand how, as a goalie, you can make that much of a mental blunder, you know? It reminds me a lot of um, in 2006 when Ty Conklin blew the Stanley Cup Finals for the Oilers. That guy's career was never the same, and he was the reason that they got to the finals to begin with, you know? He looked like he was going to have a good, young, promising career, but, I mean, he was just relegated to backup duties because of the fact that he gave up three goals in, like, a minute and a half or something, something like that. So, I don't know. It's just what a horrible parting gift by that senile bastard Jim Rutherford by signing that motherfucker to a contract extension. You guys already know my opinion on Jim Rutherford. Not a, not a fan. Never was. He he comes in to destroy uh, teams, you know, Carolina and, and, you know, any other team that he's GM'd for or had, had a say in – uh, I, I just, I'm just not a fan of Rutherford. I, th- I thought we should have kept Billy Garen. Uh, I'm fine with who we got right now, but uh, not, not a Jimmy Rutherford fan. Uh, not to skip over that, but one of the other notes that I have is face-offs. The Penguins did very well in the face-offs today. Uh, if you look at all the other games, their overtime loss, their win, and their, well, tonight, 32-29 in favor of the Penguins, 26-24 in favor of the Penguins. That was game two. And then game one was 30-27 in favor of the Islanders. The other two games, they were 27-30 and 17-33. So the Penguins have stepped it up in the overtime and obviously the shot department tonight. And uh, kind of going back to your point about Jari, I'll agree with you. He has been, uh, you know, I think mundane would be a good way to put it in terms of the way he's played up until this point. But, I mean, we got to point the finger at the offense here tonight. I mean, there's that's 50 shots on net. We're only putting two goals in. Something's got to give. We got too many gifted players offensively to only putting in two goals on 50 shots. That's just not good enough. You know, I'll give credit. And like I said, I'll give credit to Gino Malkin. You know, he's pushing through it right now. Clearly, he's, he doesn't look like he's 100%. You know, they're saying probably 60 or 70. At least that's what I've heard from, you know, the people close to the Penguins. But, um, yeah, he had a good game. Brian Rust had that goal also. Other than that, I mean, who else really did perform offensively? It's just been, you know, been the same story continue to see is that the guys that they need to step up offensively are not doing it. You know, that was one of the yeah. biggest things was, oh, they got the depth score and they got the, those, those depth pieces. Freddie Goudreau has been a great addition since he's come, he's, you know, been called up and been a regular player on the Penguins. He cannot be top three scores. I'm sorry, like that can't happen. He can't outscore Jake Gensel. That's just that's not going to cut it. Realization that hey, we are. Hopefully, now they've come to the realization. Hey, our backs are against the wall now. And if we drop the ball here in this game six on Long Island on Wednesday, this is going to be a huge underachievement. It really. I mean, I guess it. Go ahead. Uh, if if the Penguins lose on uh, 
what is it, Wednesday? If they lose on Wednesday, do you see them going into free agency looking for a goaltender? I would. It's not something that – it's not to think about. I don't think it is. Like a uh, like a veteran veteran type to the, the my other question is 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 Tristan Jari a long term starter for the Penguins or in the league in general? You know, at that point, I think he's a backup. That's that's what I take of him, but that's just me. I don't think he's a clear cut starter. I think he's one of those guys that like you just kind of like do a split tandem with. Like he's a good one A one B goalie, but like. Starting a bo- big body of games like this is just not it, you know. Um, if I were the Penguins, though, if we're like talking that scenario in the offseason, I'm looking to trade for Darcy Kemper. But you gotta, you gotta look at too, who, you, who you gonna trade for a goal to so try to get a goalie like that. I mean, you gotta put players up, up, on, the, up on the market I mean, to do that. So, speaking of uh, Kalen Addison making his playoff debut this evening, um. You know, Jason Zucker would be an option. You know, it's like, I mean, I think it's just wild. We give up all that shit for that guy and he just does nothing. Like, he does everything right, but like, he's not putting the puck in the back of the net, you know? Yeah. And it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, he's just kind of like there. Reminds me a lot of uh, Chris Kunitz in like the last like, two or three years of his career as a penguin, like where he just kind of like just existed outside of the goal against Ottawa. But I don't know, man, the whole thing is just like, I just don't understand how like year after year after year, we keep doing this. Like this year was, this year was the year. Like, I mean, we were fucking clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Jack Johnson can't kill this team anymore. You know, so many things, there were so many factors you know, Matheson and CeCe playing well above their means, being the second pairing on paper when they probably shouldn't be, just being fantastic, you know, depth scoring all over the place. You got Jared McCann contributing. Sperry Kapanen's been a great acquisition. You know, great trade deadline acquisition. Jeff Carter, who's about to be pissed away to nothing because Tristan Jari can't stop a fucking beach ball. So the top, uh, some of the top uh, free agents that are going to be this year is Tuka Rask. Obviously, he's probably going to probably resign. Pecorino, you got Pecorino probably going to go to free agency. I heard. Freddie, uh, yeah. Freddie Freddy uh Anderson, Devin Dubnik, uh, Anti Rotna uh, from Arizona. Man, he's played well, but he can't stay healthy. Yeah, that's a problem. So here's the big issue. You guys, now you know. Do you do kind of what the Capitals did this past offseason? We saw them bringing uh, Henrik Lundqvist, kind of like to be a backstop for uh, either Vanacek or Samsonov. You know, should one of those guys have a have a rough go about with it? Do you consider bringing like a Pekarene or a Devin Dubnik or someone on maybe like the short term, just in case Tristan Jari does you know crap out to start thing to start things out next season? I know it's I know we're. I shouldn't be talking about things that are happening next season because we're already we're still in, we're still in this we're not done yet. I know it's, I don't, don't want to be that guy, but at the same time, I mean it might be something to think about. Do you consider bringing in like that that veteran goaltender just in case you might need him? Yeah. So let's say I would do it, but let's say they melt down here and they're looking for a goalie. I think the guy that you look at is probably Freddie Anderson because as of right now his value is never going to be lower. 
he's probably gonna take a, like a one-year deal where he's making like between one and a half and two million, and that would be a very solid number two option. So I don't think Fre- I don't think Freddie Anderson's the the answer, man. He I don't think he's ever played very well. Toronto's pretty much since he's gotten there and Austin Matthews been there. They've always pretty much had a really good team. I don't think, mm-hmm. I, I think Pecorino is their best choice right now. If Nashville doesn't choose to resign him. Yeah, that's true. My only reason I was thinking about Anderson was like back to his career in Anaheim, like where he was splitting time with Gibson and they were both oh. just so magnificent together and played off of each other very well. So. But like Scotty said, man, we're, we're, we're still in this. Can't get our hopes yeah. down. You know, uh, listen, for all you know, uh, Tristan Jari can come out and have a shutout next game. Well, that's the thing, too. That's the thing that, Robert, you just hit the nail on the head there. We saw how poorly he played in uh, in game one, and then he was lights out again in game two. So He was lights out again. To, I mean, tonight, I mean, the even even game four, I, I said this before you jumped on, he, he did not play bad. He, he, he had one bad goal against them, and the rest were all – the defense or there were the players in front of them that put the puck in their own net for every single goal. They, they, they were just bad or, or bad turnovers, you know, and you can only bail your team out so many times. I mean, I, I the, the pressure that Jari's got to be feeling right now. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, if, if uh, DeSmith is available for game six, do, you, do, do the Penguins switch to DeSmith? No, simply because he's not going to be available. Um, there's, there, I don't know what's going on with him. There has to be something weird because, like, there's been no information on like the severity of his injury. He's just been kind of like listed as day to day, and that Maxime Legacy has been backing up. So I don't know what's going on. Even if he was available, I doubt they're going to switch to him at this point. You know, Jari's had a had a couple rough games here and there, but it's not been to the point where it's like, okay, I can't trust this guy to go into an elimination game. They did it last year whenever they played against Montreal. They, they trusted him to go into elimination game four, and now they're going to have to do it again here in game six and hopefully game seven if they can push to that point. So, yeah, with, the guy, with that guy right now. Anybody have predictions for the, the rest of the series? I think it would be the most Penguins thing ever to win uh, game six rather convincingly and then just lay a fucking egg in game seven. So that's what I'm going to go with. You know, you can't you can't get the full penguins experience without immense pain and them causing you to drink like <laughs> your summer away yourself <laughs> to to no end. So I don't know, guys. I'm not I, I'm just gonna say right now, I I am not ready to exert energy towards the Pittsburgh Pirates. We need to <laughs> we need to get we need to get it get it together. This you, is you could pass baseball and just go straight for uh, waiting for football season. No, the the whole idea of the the deep playoff run is with how late they started, the Stanley Cup would end and Steelers training camp would start like the next day. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to the so, the Stanley Cup playoffs are supposed to end like towards the middle of July. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I speaking, know, guys, not, not to get off topic of when we were speaking about the goaltenders there, let's put out for all the all the viewers and whatnot. Spencer Knight started playoffs tonight in four to one, so they're still in that. Yeah, three to two. Wouldn't series it be nice? Tampa. Wouldn't it be nice to have a nice young goalie you can trust? I miss <laughs> those days. I miss those days so badly. 
What, what was that? What was that goaltender's name that we had? Uh, Mark Andre Fleury. Man, I I remember that guy. Remember how good Matt Murray was? I was gonna first say that. Two years, <laughs> was. And, then, and then we just we just ran the motherfucker out of town. We ran him right out of town because he didn't smile and didn't crack jokes like Flurry did. Uh, do we want to move on to the uh, Tampa Florida series? Find something positive. Sure, yeah, honestly, yeah. Though, let's, listen, let's so just that. to get everybody, I don't know if you guys remember back in like the, what was it, like the late 90s when the Florida Panthers made that crazy playoff run and they threw rats on the rink. Well, when yeah. they scored that empty netter tonight, they were throwing a couple rats out onto the rink. Good. That's good stuff. And I, I mean, I hope they make this series interesting again because, I mean, you see the adjustments that they're making because obviously the goaltending was, was not there for Florida and these – uh in these first few games of this series. Do some research here real quick. I mean, it's, uh, I talked to you guys about it last show. I'm not a hater on Tampa but what, one bit, but we all know the kind of story that Nikutrov went through with the with, Tam- with Tampa, and all of a sudden he just shows up and uh, starts contributing big time to Tampa. So, Well, not to uh, bump another podcast, but our boys over at Spit and Chicklets, they were talking about that uh, last week. And uh, so it's a huge cap situation. So uh, from what I heard, they were going to be over the cap if Kucherov played a game this season. I heard he he was good to go with like about 10 games to go. He was was good to go. And um, in the playoffs, there's no cap situation. So that's the only reason why he came back and look at him that now he's hurt. It. Uh, did he play tonight? He did. He did. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, it was, it, it was a big cap situation. Do you now implement a role that you have to be under a certain cap now? I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea necessarily. I mean, we should probably be clear. Every, there's a lot of teams that are doing that right now. Like if you go on cap friendly and you like check out today's cap hit, there are multiple teams that are over the uh, the upper limit of 81 and a half. And it, that's, I mean, it just, you have to look at their injuries too, obviously, but um, yeah, for the most part, there are tons of teams. I think the Islanders ha- have a current hit of 103 million. Oh my God. Yeah. 13 of that's tied up in injuries. So it's actually 90 million, but still they're 9 million over the cap. So, I mean, there's a lot of teams that, are going are dealing with that same situation. Yeah, the Blues were at ninety seven or at eighty seven. Uh, Colorado is at I think it's eighty three. I'm not a math guy, so I'm trying my best to figure it out. Winnipeg is at eighty eight. Yeah, eighty eight. And the uh, Bruins are at ninety two. The Blue on Rouge Montreal is at eighty nine. Florida's at 86. So, yeah, you get the point. Basically, yeah. and the Penguins are, right now are at 91. So, everyone's doing it, basically. But mm-hmm. some are more extreme than others. I think that it wouldn't be a horrible idea to maybe try and figure something out in order to try and, you know, level the playing field a little bit because I don't think teams should be going into the playoffs with $100 million payrolls. Like Tampa, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of ignorant, but. You know, they, that's for the league to decide, and hopefully, you know, maybe they'll do something about it. Maybe not. Gives us something to talk about. Yeah, I guess either way. Just, I mean, if you were a GM in the NHL right now, you'd be finding any way to to bend that situation to the best of your ability. So I, I'm, I'm not going to knock anybody for doing it. Like, you know, Tampa's yeah. Doing it. Uh, yeah. 
seed. So kudos to them. They, they play the system, and right now they're winning. So, but yeah, this was like I was saying earlier with this Florida Tampa series. Um, the goaltending obviously was not there in the first two games. Uh, Bobrovsky and Drieger each have save percentages below nine. Drieger is eight seventy one, and Bobrovsky is eight forty one. That's always fun when your ten million dollar goalie decides I'm not going to turn in a, a decent uh, performance. So. You know, that's got to be tough for Tampa. But like you said, Spencer Knight steps in tonight and he ends up doing what he has to do and getting that uh, victory to extend the series at least one more game. So kudos to Florida. Hornquist also got on the board tonight from what I saw. So good for them. And yeah, this series has been entertaining and it's been physical and hopefully they can continue to keep that play up. I think it's been one of the best playoff series this so far this season. I mean, we've, I think everybody's been waiting for these two to play in the playoffs here, you know, in, in all Florida matchup. Yeah, I mean, we yeah, thought. it's definitely lived up to the hype. Yeah, go ahead, Doug. I'll let you go first. No, I was going to say, like, it's really lived up to the hype. And they, they've been uh, – it's been an interesting series. I think this one is probably still going to end up going seven games because Spencer Knight came in tonight, rocked it. I think he's going to do very similar to what Thatcher Demko did last year in the bubble and take Vegas deep after Markstrom got hurt or whatever. But, I mean – I just – I feel like Bobrovsky, too. Like, that's just such a bizarre, like, situation because they signed him to that contract literally this like two weeks after they drafted this guy. And they knew – like, you drafted him at knowing that he was going to be NHL ready, like, within a year. So, like, why not just ride with, like, Sam Monambo or whoever until – Knight was ready and, you know, allocate that $10 million elsewhere, you know, like they could have had a lot of really good guys with $10 million and the term they gave to Bobrovsky that, that the way that thing's going to end is going to be atrocious. So do they end up trading uh, Bobrovsky before his contract ends? In my opinion, I think they're going to give just an ass load of stuff to Seattle for them to take. Yeah. I think that's the best way to go about it. The expansion draft, that's honestly not a terrible idea considering, you know, based on this playoff series alone, I could say, you could say his trade value has been completely shot. I mean, there isn't. Yeah, so, yeah I agree with you there, Doug. Yeah, I think uh, Bobrovsky could potentially end up getting taken by Seattle. But like you said, it's going to take uh, quite a bit of persuasion in order for that to happen. So, yeah, but the uh, the crazy thing is every single Seattle mock I've seen has um, the Panthers losing Chris Rieger. So it's probably going to be the complete opposite. Yeah. And we know series uh, I wanted to bring up, too, since we mentioned, you know, we think that one's going to go to seven games. One of the other ones we thought was going to go to seven games, but obviously ended quicker, was the Boston-Washington series. I mean, as a Pens fan, for most of us, we wanted those two to tear each other limb from limb as much as possible. But you know, here we are, Boston moving on. Um, and if the Pens do so win and move on to the next round, they're playing Boston. And as all of us have talked about before, we'd much rather Penguins play a team like Washington because the matchup's much better than playing a team like Boston. Yeah, I saw everybody on Twitter last night dancing on Washington's grave. And I didn't, really, I didn't say anything because I'm like, you know what? If we end up pulling this off against New York, we're, that's the, that's our opponent next, and I'm not feeling too confident about about us heading up against Boston. Right. But I mean, if you look at how that series unfolded, I just 
it's like I told you guys before, it came down to the goaltending. You know, Washington did the mm-hmm. best situation. Obviously, it hurt losing Vancheck that early, but, you know, Craig Anderson did his best he could, same with Samsonov, but you know, nothing came through, and they weren't able to pull off what they needed to, and then they suffered a pretty quick exit there to Boston, who is a decent team. You know, they're, they're contenders every year, and they have another shot at it again this year, and they need to pull it off because – with the core that they have and the, you know, the pieces that they have in place, winning one, if you only win one cup with all the players that you have here right now would be a huge disappointment. I feel like you have to win at least one more if you're Boston. The fans need it. You know how rest right now. So Boston, yeah. Boston was just too big for, for Washington. Washington had a lot of smaller players uh, or excuse me, Washington. Yeah. Washington had a lot of smaller players and just Boston. Boston's just a huge, team especially on their back end I, I bet every guy on that team is over six foot six foot two i bet mm-hmm. yeah and the big thing that i want to touch on was literally everybody on twitter dancing on the capsule's grave last night like that was especially cringeworthy to me because um knowing that the penguins played tomorrow and knowing that what just happened could have happened like I didn't get in on it um like even like right before the third period you know TK and Scotty will get a chuckle out of this but our friend Johnny called me and he was like oh they're gonna they're gonna get Boston next round I said to him Johnny you just you just ruined it like you just jinxed it like you can't run around saying crap like this when you still have to take care of business. You have to take care of business first and then, but that's, that's just, that's just basic yins or one-on-one. They have zero regard for any of that. That's stuff. basic Johnny. Just, Are we blaming the game five loss on Johnny now? <laughs> and, uh, listen, I'm blaming the game five loss on another human being, but we're not, we're not going there. So, um, yeah, but, uh, well, I mean, to, I don't know. You got it, Doug. No, go ahead. I was going to say to touch on another series, which we went, which I know we'll talk about two other ones too, but the game that's currently on following the Pens game is Edmonton and Winnipeg series. Winnipeg up 3 nothing in this series. Uh, they're tied 2-2 right now. But another thing I know we talked about off camera that I know we probably want to bring up on camera as well is we talked about will Connor McDavid stay in, in Edmonton should they lose this series, which they need to win four straight at this point to do it. But – Anything's possible, as we know. Um, as Scotty mentioned earlier in our group text as we go, Edmonton is the same kind of team that would trade Wayne Gretzky. So um, anything's possible. So, I mean, do you see that something like that happening? Absolutely Can I take not. this one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right. It's not going to happen, but Connor McDavid should request a trade out of Edmonton because I, I, I have an entire list. I have an entire list of – Things that have gone substantially wrong since Connor McDavid was drafted. So we trade the Oilers trade a second round pick in 2015 to the Boston Bruins for the right to hire Peter Shirelli. That second round pick turned into Jack Studnika, who is a good young prospect for the Bruins and would be a very good bottom six piece for the Oilers right now. Be way better than James Neal. And then at the draft, Peter Shirelli, for his first big move, trades 
a first round pick and a second round pick to the New York Islanders for noted draft bust and good Edmonton boy, Griffin Reinhardt. That first round pick ended up becoming Matthew Barzell. And the second round pick ended up becoming Mitchell Stevens, who was another impact fourth liner for the Tampa Bay Lightning in their cup win last season. Then Jeff Petrie gets traded for a second and a fourth round pick. And you're sitting here thinking to yourself, wow, Hall for Larson didn't need to happen because they fucking had Jeff Petrie. And then Justin Schultz gets traded for a third round pick to the Penguins. Thanks for back-to-back cups. Hall for Larson that summer. They signed Milan Lucic. Neil Yakupov gets traded when he probably could have been a very decent NHL third liner if they would have just shed the first overall draft bust label off of him. Jordan Aberle gets traded for Ryan Strom. And then we sit here every night questioning why does Connor McDavid need to play with Leon Dreisaitl constantly? That's why. And Miko Koskinen gets signed to a contract extension. Ryan Strom's not working out, so he gets traded to the Rangers for Ryan Spooner, who was so horrifically bad that he fled the NHL for Russia that offseason. Then we trade – then, which is why not? Why not go out of your way to piss off your star player by trading depth forward Drake Kajula for Brandon Manning, who – as you may know, is the guy who broke Connor McDavid's jaw his rookie year. And then we have John Marino refusing to sign with the Oilers. So in the 2015 draft alone, they could have walked away with Matt Barzell, Mitchell Stevens. They drafted John Marino, drafted Ethan Bear, and then Jack Stadnika too. Like, those are five impact players for your franchise that you could have added to your already decent core of Hall, Nugent, Hopkins, and Eberle. And that doesn't even cover the fact that you just drafted a generational talent. Shit's crazy. Bold prediction here. Connor McDavid for Jack Eichel. That yeah. solves nothing at all. I don't, think, I don't think Jack Eichel would even want to go there. <laughs> Jack no, I- no. Jack Eichel's going is, is will Jack Eichel will not play for Buffalo next season. No, no, no. I, I bet you. I, yeah, I, I I'm hearing Rangers there. Not to bring up a non-playoff team right now, but they had a chance. Yeah, they did have a chance. But if we're doing if we're doing playoff team, um, look at the uh, Vegas Minnesota series. Both yes. of those teams could easily easily get in on it and trade for Eichel. Yeah, but Vegas has so much so much depth already and they're paying so much money for people. They have to do so you have to get rid of something you have to get rid of a decent amount of something they'd, to get Eichel. They'd, they'd probably trade like Riley Smith and another one of their guys that makes big money with um Cody Glass or Peyton Krebs and some draft picks. Yeah. That's how it would go. So give uh, our audience the background <laughs> of the whole McDavid on the move discussion that we've had. He texted in our group last night. At what point do I fire up Connor McDavid trade rumors? And TK goes, they'd never trade him. And I said, this is the same franchise that traded Wayne Gretzky. Anything is possible. (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah. We fired him up. The train is rolling, baby. Um, Another one, another series to talk about, too. Like, we uh, we touched on a little bit, but – 
is the Toronto and Montreal series. And we talked about, you know, if Toronto can fuck this up, where do they stand? You know, and they're currently up in the series two one, but is that only because they're just trying to avenge the loss of John Tavares and that injury? No, they're not screwing it up. I think they're doing it because they want to move on to the next round. I don't think I think they're just sick of not uh, getting out of the first round. Not to uh, bash on anybody either, but I was I watched earlier in one of the intermission reports um, in the Pens game. They had something on there that. Montreal, it said for a graphic from the Montreal, it said Montreal has not advanced to the first to the second round since 2015. And I'm like, well, that's false because they just beat the Penguins. I'm like, so what kind of information is that? That didn't count as like an actual playoff matchup, though. That was like a play in round in general. But uh, yeah, no, I agree. But if um, if Toronto advances here, this is a league semifinal run in your sleep because. Winnipeg, although Winnipeg's murdering the Oilers right now, they're murdering the Oilers for just several different reasons that pertain they have nothing to do with how skilled their team is. So, you know, Toronto's going to make a league semifinals run. And the reason they're not losing this series right now is for, because the same person that would be the sacrificial lamb to the organization is putting the team on his back in William Nylander. The guy's been sick so far and he's just been, he's been feeling it. He's been killing it since the jump and he's been huge for him. And really that's another one of those teams, just like the Penguins where it's like, this team is so talented. They just need to score goals and not get horrific goaltending and they're fine. It's just, you know, in past years, they have not gotten good goaltending because Freddie Anderson is what Freddie Anderson is. All right, so the um, we talked about a couple of them. Vegas and Minnesota, they're, they're playing right now. Vegas leads at 3-1. Um, not to get off topic, but Edmonton just took the lead 3-2 to two right now I, in this game. Yeah, I just seen that right on the power play. Yeah. Um, power play was looking really good, man. They they didn't leave the leave the zone the whole entire time. I mean, that, that was one time that Edmonton actually looked calm, cool, and collected in this the the, the entire series that I've I've personally watched. As we as we said, the Vegas leads at three one right now. They have a chance to close it out tonight if they beat Minnesota. Um, Colorado clinched last night on a, on a complete sweep four nothing over St. Louis. Um, little slap in the face to Ryan O'Reilly there, who put that statement out before that series started that says. Um, we're going to have fun and we're going to beat them. Um, joke's on you, bro. You didn't win at all. Not one game. Joke's on Jordan Bennington, too. That's too. Just yeah. running oh, around yeah. WWE wrestler. <laughs> like, that's just ridiculous to me that he's like actually thinks he's like that important. I heard he's going to fill in if there's a fighter that's her at UFC uh, 263. He's going to be the, the next guy to fight in the, in the heavyweight division. What? Yeah. TK and Scotty are going to get a kick out of this. We're going to get Jordan Bennington to fight in LAW versus Fourth of July week. Jackson Hawk. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my God. I hate uh, myself. Something that that I heard is going to happen. So the I guess the winner of the North will play the winner of the West division. 
And then mm -hmm. I guess there's no transferring going back and forth from over. Uh, yeah. Well, from Canada to the United States. So I heard the, the North division team, they have to pick a location to host their games. Do you guys have any location picks for you guys? Does it have to be a current it, it would, arena, or is it? I mean, it has they, to be it, the United States. It, it has to be in the United States because they're okay. the Canada is not going to let, like, let's say Colorado goes to the conference finals, they're not going to let Colorado keep coming back over, and they and they're yeah. going to have to quarantine every single time. So, uh, yeah. from what I heard, that they have to pick a, I heard a neutral site for the North, just the North home games, like uh, Arizona could be one. Uh, Texas, and then one of the Florida arenas I heard could be wanted, and maybe even Nashville if they don't make it. Yeah, I I was gonna say I feel like when it, whenever it comes to, like picking neutral sites for stuff like this, you want to find like an area that's as low key as possible. And for me, that is Columbus. Put them in the middle of nowhere where there's nothing to do, and the only claim to fame to the city is that it has a white castle. And just let him play hockey. See, I was gonna. My pick was gonna be Arizona because of the uh, they. They're allowed to have fans. They're. I think they're. I think Arizona is a hundred percent capacity at sporting events now. So yeah, you could, you that's could have. Good. That's good. Yeah. You know, uh, Dallas, same thing. A hundred percent capacity, and I believe Nashville. By the time they get there, they're going to be a hundred percent capacity. They're, they're as well. seventy-five now. Yeah, so you got to see Nashville being – if they don't make the conference finals, they could be another spot to host uh, the North Division team. And, dude, just imagine if if uh, Toronto gets in, the amount of fans that will actually show up for this. Dude, listen, are you saying if they have it in Arizona? Well, if – it doesn't matter where they have it. Like, let's just they say – let's say they have it in Arizona – uh, the amount of Maple Leafs fans that will show up to, to you know, to be there, to be the home crowd at a neutral site game in America. Plus, what an amazing storyline that would be just for because of Austin Matthews being from Arizona. That that's one that, of the reasons why I think yeah, Arizona be could incredible be, for the league. Oh my goodness! Like, and it's it's not just so much if if it. It's Toronto. That's the biggest thing. Like they haven't been out of the first round since when? What, what was it? 67? Something like that. Yeah. You know, I they, think it's, yes. Yeah, it's the last time they won the cup. Yeah. They haven't been out of the first round since 67. And I can, I can just see thousands of Toronto fans coming down and staying there for two, three games and taking a two week quarantine just because they don't care. Just because they, They've never been outside of the first round, you know, probably yeah. in most of their lives. Yeah. I mean, all I know is that we're 48 hours away from me becoming the biggest Leafs fan ever. <laughs> oh, That's all I've been doing since Matthews got drafted is like anytime the Penguins are underwhelming, I'm just like, you know what? I'm a Leafs fan now and I just run it. I'm so, I'm still going with uh, Nathan McKenna to win the cup. Yeah. I, I think that's long overdue. But I will I say I, I did put fifty bucks on. Uh, I did put fifty bucks on Vegas to take it, take it home. Yeah, we were talking about it last show. The defensive group in Vegas might be the best defensive group I've ever seen on paper. 
like they are just loaded. They they look too fucking good. They do. Another series we haven't touched on yet is the uh, Carolina Nashville series, which was um, a big you know run for Carolina for a little while, but yeah, here we are sitting at two uh, two in the series because Nashville has a little run going. Um, so what are we thinking here with this one? Carolina's still going to take it. Yeah, Carolina's still going to take it. Um, as we all know, and this is going to hit a little too close to home. Weird, weird shit happens when you go double overtime. Uh, really? And, Never thought about that. Yeah, back-to-back games, uh, double OT winners for Nashville. I just don't think they'll be able to sustain it. Caroline is way too talented, and um, Nadelkovich has been way too good, too, for Carolina. So I just don't see any way that Nashville can pull off two more wins. I mean, if you oh, see- oh, go ahead, Scotty. Yeah, if you see Saros keep playing the way he has – I don't know. It's not out of the realm of possibility. He's been holding his own in the yeah. net. And before, I wasn't sure if he'd be able to steal a series for Carol for Nashville. Excuse me. Now I'm starting to have second thoughts. Maybe he can get it done. You know, all you need is those. It's like you said, hitting too close to home, Dougie. But if they get those timely goals, kind of like the Islanders did tonight, I mean, anything's possible. So I'm not going to rule out the prayers. I'm still going to stick with the Hurricanes, but the prayers could definitely make it a series again. It already is, but again, they can make something happen there if they wanted to. Soros has has uh, definitely been one of the most underrated backup goalies in the league since mm-hmm. since he's had that role with uh, with Nashville. So I mean, like, Scotty, like you said, man, I, I don't I don't count Nashville out. Nashville is going to make it a really good series. I I think this is going to be one of the series that that definitely goes the distance to seven and and watch it be a, another double overtime game seven. Yeah, that would be crazy. That would be crazy. Um, back to Minnesota and Vegas. Uh, Minnesota is currently up 3-1 on Vegas right now. Um, they've scored like three goals in the past five minutes of time. So, crazy. Kirill Kaprizov's finally on the board, which means Buddy is probably going to go off and at least force a game seven. That'd be nice to see. I mean, not that I'm rooting against Vegas or anything at this point, but I mean, it'd be nice to see Minnesota advance. I just love Minnesota, man. You know that. I love the way their team's built, and they're finally fun again. They haven't been fun to watch. It's been like watching paint dry ever since, like, Marion Gabrick left. So. Yeah. I think we covered all the series, as I believe, right? I yeah. So. Um, do you want to have some last second fun and talk about uh, Jack Eichel? Yeah, let's go for it. We can go for whatever we want now. We're, we're through all the series. Yeah, I kind of just want to – I'm very sad right now, and I just want to talk about Jack Eichel getting traded. Let's go for it. Let's see. Let's go. I don't think it's going to be New York. I, I legitimately, and TK and Scotty can attest to this, I legitimately have myself talked into that it's going to be Minnesota. Who do you give up if you're Minnesota? It's obviously going to be up, a first and a second round pick. I would give up both first. I would give up this year's first and the Pittsburgh first. They got in the Zucker trade. And Kevin Fiala would go as well. And then probably give them one of the top defensive prospects, either Kalen Addison or Ryan O'Rourke. 
you know, the big thing is, is like, and people keep saying, oh, they're going to want the entire world for Eichel. But it's like, I think Minnesota could pull this off without touching in either of their top prospects and uh, Matthew Boldy and uh, Marco Rossi because superstar players do not get traded for what they're worth in this league. They never have and they never will. The Joe Thornton trade was beyond underwhelming and the Ryan O'Reilly trade was horrific. So, and I think with um, Jack wanting to get this experimental neck surgery, that gives Buffalo just all that less leverage than they already had. So I think that Minnesota could pull this off, bring in a guy that they wouldn't be able to get otherwise because it's very hard to draw free agents there unless you're Zach Parise and Ryan Suter and want to, you know, strap the team down cap-wise for the rest of their careers. So. Uh, does uh, another question – not to get off uh, Jack Eichel, but a guy yeah. who played with Jack Eichel is uh, does Taylor Hall resign with Boston? I feel like that's probably in his best interest at this point. I mean, this is the best hockey we've seen him play outside of the MVP season. And I think, you know, it almost reminds you like him going to Boston, it gives me like major, like, I know it's the same city, different sport, but like it gives me major like New England Patriots vibes where he just – he fits there, and he plays really good there, and it just – it makes a lot of sense. Now, I don't know how they make it work with the cap because they were having, like, an entire circus last offseason just trying to sign Brandon Carlo to an extension. So I can't even imagine what it's going to be like trying to lock up Hall. I feel yeah, that like, was oh, – go ahead, Scotty. I feel like unless someone gives Hall an ungodly amount of money, he's staying invested. I was uh, I was touching on it uh, before we jumped on is uh, Boston's cap situation. I mean, you look at like a lot of these really like really good teams like Pittsburgh and and Boston and how their top players take take discounts. You know, uh, is Hall going to buy in and take a discount to play on a top tier Stanley Cup contending team for the next three years? And can Boston? trade away you know obviously seattle's going to end up taking somebody but are they going to take somebody big enough or is boston going to you know uh not protect somebody big enough to re-sign taylor hall or are they going to do what the uh, penguins did with uh, mark andre and persuade them to take uh a guy with a four million dollar four or five million dollar cap hit just to try to re-sign hall and is hall going to take a major pay cut to play on a top tier team. It's possible just yeah. that he could jump in because it's um he hasn't played on one of those teams that has a chance to get into a cup. So just for that reason, I think you maybe maybe consider that pay cut because let's look. I mean, look at the teams he's played on. He hasn't had a chance to get a cup, and now that he does, maybe he does. Maybe he does take that cut. But that's just from my opinion. Doug and Scotty, go ahead. I was going to say that, you know, maybe he doesn't have to. Some other guys for Boston that are hitting the free agent market this uh, this summer, David Krejci is one of them. His hit com- his cap hit comes in at 7.25. I don't know if they're going to bring him back or not. He's already 35 years old. So, at this point, you know, how, how useful can he really be? And as you touched on earlier, Robert, Tuka Rask is also a free agent. You know, I've, we've seen some rumors about, you know, he might be considering retiring after this season. Or if he does come back, who knows if – who knows how much he's going to be asking for. So, I mean, in all honesty, money might not be a huge issue for uh, for Boston if one of those guys 
does depart. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that situation unfolds in a couple months here. Tuka Rask is uh, – his cap hit is $7 million. So, um, not that he's underperforming, but he might take a pay cut to, uh, to you know, keep a, keep a good team in front of him. Yeah. And if Krejci and Rask both come back, they're both probably going to take major pay cuts to come back because – them them taking pay cuts helps their situation as players because it gives them more cap flexibility to make the team better into the final years of like them, Bergeron, guys like that. And with Taylor Hall, we need to keep in mind, he's made almost $53 million in his career. He's very much at a point where he's had such great individual success that he's been able to get paid this much money that I could see him taking like maybe a two or three year deal where he makes between five and a half and $6 million per year and makes a little bit of a sacrifice for the betterment of the organization to keep winning cups and keep, you know, stacking his legacy because like one could argue he's probably the best player in the league. Who's had like, I mean, obviously McDavid, but like who's had like any semblance of like a long-term career that hasn't won a Stanley cup yet. You know, and I think I think it could work, you know, and I'd imagine with um, Seattle, they try and get um, John Moore off their hands. That contract, like it's not a bad contract. It's just like he's not good. And they have so many other options on defense that are better than John Moore that I one could argue he may not even make the NHL roster next season. Krejci's making uh, $7.25 million. So he's, he's probably going to end up taking a, ca- uh, a pay cut, and so is Tuca. Uh, the another, uh, not, not to keep getting off subject, man, but uh, Washington, what, what is Ovechkin's salary going to look like next year? I've seen reports that he's, like, looking to make 11 mil per, or that's what his asking price was. Holy. I don't know if that, how that's in the cards. Because I mean, I did, I mean, just going off of his numbers this year, by his standards, it was an underwhelming, even if it was a shortened one. But uh, I don't know if that's possible if they can make that happen. But I, it's like one of those situations. Kind of like you know when Joe Thornton left San Jose. It's like we have a hard time seeing him play anywhere else. I feel like it'd be the same way if Obi tried it. You know, I don't know if it's possible for him to. Potentially sign somewhere else for that amount of money. I feel like someone's gonna have to tell him, "Hey, Ovi, no, <laughs> that's not happening. That that type of money is not what you're worth right now. At the at your age, at your output, it's just not gonna happen. So, I don't know if that's in the cards for him or not. But you know, power to him if he thinks he can make it happen. So, Ovechkin to uh, to Arizona, 2022. <laughs> And honestly, if I'm Ovi, I wouldn't want to go back to that team because you got to think they're going to try and trade Kuznetsov in the offseason. And that that trade's going to be – oh, that's going to be a mess for them because not only did the guy break COVID protocols once, he did it twice. Plus, you have the whole, like, video that surfaced of him, like, literally flat out doing cocaine a couple years back and you know 
they're probably going to lose somebody big in the expansion draft. They're probably going to lose like Oshi or somebody like that. I imagine they're going to try and like lose one of their elevated cap hit players. I think a big reason they trade for Anthony Mantha at the deadline is because they knew they were going to lose Oshi or somebody of that caliber. So like he could just fill that role seamlessly and just be like one of their main guys in their core. But um, I don't know, man. If I'm Ovi, I, I try and go somewhere else. I try and go somewhere else for the better playmaking center. Obviously, no disrespect to Nicholas Baxter. He's gotten him to where he where he's helped get Ovi where he is right now. But um, you know, I would look elsewhere. I mean, I think another dark horse place, just simply because they magically come up with the cap money, and it's probably the biggest hockey market in the United States right now, would be Vegas. You know, where, like, I think that's just the perfect thing for the NHL. Have the NHL's biggest player chasing Wayne Gretzky's goal record in the biggest hockey market in the United States right now. Touched on the, uh, on the potentially getting moved. What does the, uh, what's the trade market look like for a 29-year-old rebellious drug addict? <laughs> Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a guy that would fit in perfectly in Calgary. Listen, you know where he, he would really fit in well at is Vegas. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Listen, the Russians are going, they're going to tear Vegas up, man. They're going to tear up the strip. They're going to snort cocaine off of every hooker's ass on the strip. Uh, talk, talk about the grade eight and the Ovechkin show. <laughs> Dude. I seriously was thinking Vegas would be the place for him. <laughs> so, 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 Doug, are you saying that uh, Washington will not be contending next season? I think they're going to be in a lot worse shape than what you realize because there's not going to be a big market on Kuznetsov because his contract is pretty horrendous for what he does. He's only like a 50 or 60 point player, but he's making closer to 8 million. And that's pretty bad when you're already just a rebellious shitbag drug addict so i don't know i don't know what's gonna go on there plus their defense their defense is bad man like their defense is ass cheeks because john carlson really doesn't play defense we all know justin schultz is a fucking train wreck and they for whatever reason i mean i don't know who justin schultz's agent is but if you're somehow listening to this at this point you are unbelievable. A fucking legend you at getting shit players at what you really do. good contracts. Like you should go be a lawyer <laughs> and just represent like the worst human beings you can imagine in court because you'd win every time. <laughs> he represents Kuznetsov in court. <laughs> hey TK, so uh, I'm I'm watching the highlight of uh, that overtime goal. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. watched it. And what did I say to you right before we went, uh, the period started? I said, listen, if the Islanders score, guess who's going to be on the ice? Crystal Tang. Guess who was on the fucking ice? Crystal Tang. <laughs> yeah. Who, who's more of a fucking train wreck, Crystal Tang or Justin Schultz? Definitely Justin Schultz. Really? Damn. Oh, yes. sure. Dude, Latang's plus minus is, is in the fucking trash can right now. 
I'm going to hate on because he's actually – I mean, I genuinely believe he's been one of our better players. I think he has stepped up somewhat defensively despite what the plus-minus says. And as far as – I was watching the overtime uh, highlights too, and I, I just – it just boggles my mind. Like, Jari had two defensemen on each side of him. And instead of uh, – and instead of passing it to one of those guys, he just says, here, let me throw it up the middle. And there's no one within 10 feet of them. <laughs> if like- the Penguins lose Wednesday night, do they seek a trade for Chris Letang? No, because that's exactly what got Jim Rutherford fired, basically. Yeah. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I was just talking about this on the phone with TK before the game. He said to me, he's like, Malkin doesn't really fit what they do anymore. It's like, it doesn't matter. They've earned the right to end their careers here whenever they want to end them. So we're just going to ride the wave. And if, if we have to suffer for it, we will suffer for it. Listen, if I were Malkin, I wouldn't be feeling what they're doing either. Look, look at the amount of wingers he's had to play with versus Crosby consistently. They don't ever change Sid's lineup. It's always Malkin's playing with the different guys Consist- oh, on a consistent basis. I haven't laid this on you guys. This is what they need to do. This is how they will win. They need to give Sid the shit winners. So Zucker and Freddie Gaudreau play with Sid. And then they run Gensel, Malkin, and Rust. McCann, Carter, and Kapanen. And the Bluger line. That's how they do this. That's how they win this series is by giving Sid the shit winners. The turbo line. (laughs) I would die for that fourth line, man. They force him to play better. <laughs> yeah, like literally, like yeah, they're like, you're gonna play with Sidney Crosby, and they all just they, yeah. they light it up. It like they the days whenever like I cut like it was like six or seven years ago, and the team was just completely swamped, and they like the team was swamped with injuries, and they had like Taylor Pyatt, Jason Magna playing with Sidney Crosby. Jason, Jason Megna and Brian Gibbons. Yeah, that, was the one. that was that was the one, man. That Columbus series, where it, the whole thing, the hashtag that was trending on Twitter was "Save us, Brian Gibbons." <laughs> we had we had we had the we had two guys who lived in Wilkes-Barre the whole year playing with Sid on the first line during. The yeah. 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 I, I don't know. Maybe that is the key. Maybe we. That, think- I'm telling you. It is the key. Give Sid shit wingers. Here, Sid, we've spoiled you for the last how many years? Here's Goudreau and Zucker. It's not even here's Goudreau and Zucker. Here's Zucker and Mike Matheson. That's right. Mike Matheson plays the wing now. So, you know what a good line change might be? Is putting uh, Zucker. Where's uh, Zucker's playing with Malkin right now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think you can move. Zucker to Crosby's line to play with Rust and move Gensel all the way down to the third line and either move McCann or Gaudreau up to Malkin. I did try that. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, Gensel's get, just getting beat up by these bigger defensemen that are six, seven inches taller. I mean, listen, Gensel's what, five, eight? Nah, he's he's like I think he's like five eleven, but still, I do get what you're saying. Yeah, like he's just getting beat up. Like that. That's I think that's one of the reasons why he's not 
producing is because he can't get in front of the net and be productive there. He hasn't been in front of the net the whole entire series. We looked at the first goal from Anthony Bavillier. He tried to go body on body with him. He just he's not he's not strong enough to hold up in that situation. Listen, I'm still he, like sorry. I'm still not past that. Like I don't understand why he tried bodying him. Just make either. a stick play and keep pushing yeah. the puck up the ice. Like you had numbers up the ice. You could have had a really good scoring chance out of that if you would have played it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the fuck was I about to say before we both? <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm so disappointed I did that now. Damn. No, it's fine. I'm, it's gonna end up coming to me as soon as we sign off. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, Penguins uh, do lead it right now. Like the Penguins are tied. Look, sorry, Penguins were leading. Were leading for a little while. They were tied, and now they're down three two. So. Um, any like final thoughts before we move it forward here? And look, look I remember what I was going to say. Go for it. Uh, is what one, one of the biggest issues I think is that the Penguins, and I said this when uh, when we were just talking uh, at the first end of the first overtime, is uh, the Penguins are letting these small forwards body them up. Matt Barzell, uh, Bavillier, like. Not that these guys are super small, but they're not like huge fucking players. Like they're they don't what do they weigh? Like a buck seventy five? Not even like these aren't huge players, and they're they're letting them walk all over them and dominate. Besides tonight, tonight they did really well against the boards. But listen, this whole entire series they've they've just bodied the hell out of them. And how do you do that as a penguin? As a penguin and. and I feel like we are in the we were in the regular season a more physical team. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, anybody else on any final thoughts before we wrap, before we wrap up here for the, any for the Penguins going forward? I guess for most of the focus because we got hopefully two games left out of this. Hope they can pull off the win on. Uh, on Wednesday, so we will not be talking about a Penguins win next week. Switching up the jersey, the Jared McCann jersey is being sent out. What are you going with now? Banana hammock. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not saying anything because I need to keep doing my part, be mysterious. His mm-hmm. mom's G strings coming on next. Now nah, I'm probably gonna go rust reverse retro, honestly. That was that was the uh, that was the jersey I wore the night that Carter scored four goals, so oh, I feel yeah. like there's a little bit of magic in that thing. So, okay, yeah. Well, hopefully, so for all the Pens fans out there, watch on Wednesday and see what happens. But uh, for now, that's that's about all we got here. But it's been a little bit of a wild little week since the, since the last show. Not even a week, but some series have been closed out, and uh, hopefully, we see the rest of it move forward here. But um, yeah, and any any other final thoughts before, before we sign it off, guys? No? No. All right. All right, well, as always, guys, thank you for tuning in for Checking TV. Uh, Rob, thank you for joining us, man. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Hopefully uh, I can get another invite soon. And uh, uh, I had I had an absolute blast, so. Awesome. Well, it was great having you on. And on behalf of all of us, we appreciate you guys for watching for Checking TV. And, uh as always, stay on with all the platforms. You like the podcast version. If not, YouTube is there. And uh, stay up to date for our next show. Thanks, guys, and have a good one.